Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Margot Jacques Thanks so much for joining us today. And today we have my co-host, Deanna Shoss, the owner of Intercultural Talk. Deanna, always so good to speak with you. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here with you, Margot. Well, I'm glad. I always love chatting with you. I, I feel like I learn new things all the time and we've known each other and worked together for years. So it's really useful stuff for me too. So today we're talking about blogging and I had an interesting experience. One of the things that I do in addition to being a therapist and running the Juniper Center is I do some consultations for other practice owners or for therapists who are wanting to know more about the business side of the business. And a woman today and I were talking about her new website and she was saying, do I really need a blog? My web person says I don't, but everybody else has one. So I think I do, but he says he doesn't see the need for it. And I was a little shocked. I think there's a lot of utility in a blog, but I thought, let's ask the expert, Deanna, tell us about blogging. I think everybody has seen a blog. First of all, what is the name blog? What is, what is that about? So blogs originally started as sort of stream of consciousness, just thoughts. And it was a web log shortened to blog. So that's where that word comes from. They have evolved over time into being very sophisticated and strategic marketing platforms. Hmm. because when they're associated with a website, when you create your website, usually you're making sure you've got your about section, your services, the basic information about your company. And often then it can just be static. If none of that changes, your web your website remains static. Well, Google actually likes websites that are updated and current. So they are searching and logging through websites periodically to make sure that they are updated. So what a blog does functionally is a couple things. It makes sure that you have updated content on your website. It also allows you to add content to your website that goes deeper into a specific subject. So for example, maybe you offer services for anxiety and depression, but then you can add a current blog post that ties into current events. For example, we did one after, fortunately, after one of the school shootings, and it was on how parents can help talk to their children about what they see in the media. So it wasn't a service that you provided, but it gave insights, mental health related insights into a current event, which allows you to boost your searchability for your website around those topics. Mm, okay. Well, that's a really good argument for that. And and that was my understanding, Deanna, my sort of minimal understanding was that the Google spider, the arm that's always sort of combing through the web, they do like to see that somebody's website is updated regularly, that it's a dynamic platform. You don't just set it and forget it. But this is a way to interact with it that will cue Google to really pay attention to what you're doing. So I think that's a great argument. So what is the best way somebody can use a blog for both business purposes for their practice and for the community sharing valuable information? 
So stepping back a second, I want to go back to your friend for a minute whose web designer said that they didn't need a, a blog on their site. So at a bare minimum, and I know there's people who might counter in social media, there's always so many different ways. You have to do it this way. You have to yeah, do it right. that way. So I'm always cognizant of the fact that these are business owners whose primary function is not marketing. And right. knowing that there's always that issue of how much time do you have? How much expertise do you have? Are you a writer? There's all these different things to consider before I would make a recommendation to somebody. Mm-hmm. So there is an idea of blogging. There are people who say, if you blog four times a week, five times a week, you're going to get a much bigger following. You'll get much deeper engagement. I don't know anyone who's an entrepreneur and actually seeing clients full time who's going to blog five times a week. Five it just won't, week. Yeah, it's just not going to Once a week would be great. Yes. Once a week would be great. I would say the absolute positive bare minimum is once a month. Okay. Once a month will give you updated content. It'll allow you to tie in, for example, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. June is Pride Month. So even if once a month you did an article related to some current topic, that will give you the current additions to your website. And it will also allow you to tie into current topics. At once a month, it will not give you this rolling, incredible engagement because a month is too long. Actually, like you were saying, you like that analogy of get your walk to the top from Horton Here's a Who. You're not shouting enough if it's once a month to be at the very top, but you are serving a really strategic function mm. of getting your thought leadership out there and also of having current and relevant content. That's great. So how do I know what I ought to be blogging about? And what if I'm not a very good writer? Because I mean, not everybody is. And and sometimes people sit down and look at the blank page and that's it. They got nothing. As far as what to write about, anything that current topics are related to your expertise are going to be good spots. Taking your expertise and then applying it to a current thing that's going on in the media is the perfect sweet spot. Because then you're able to take something that's happening in the world and give your therapeutic spin to it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Things that work that are easy for non-writers are things, lists, people love things like the top three ways to reset your nervous system. So you're making it a little bit more like a list than you are a specific in-depth article. So that's one way to do it, to do it as lists. I've seen people do extended photo captions. So you can do an image of something and then describe what's in that image. How interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be a novelist. I don't have to be a great writer. I can repurpose information. I can do a greater description of some kind of image. I can make sort of a list. It doesn't have to be, nor should it be a novella or a novel. The thing to remember is that blog posts can be as few as even 200, it's probably getting a little bit shy, but even 300 words, which is really like a, a page. So so actually there's a couple of things along those lines. A blog post can be as short as 300 words. There are studies that show that long form writing gets deeper engagement. That said, not every post has to be the same. Mm. So your, I believe your blogs, your posts you're curating content over time. Hmm. So you've got a post on a subject 
This month, maybe it's for parents of teens and how to address something. Next month, it might be related to it's Pride Month. So maybe it's something that's LGBTQ related. Anxiety. There's a lot about the pandemic. And now that we're reopening, how do you engage back in the world? So you can have these different subjects where you curate content over time. Over time. Okay. Here's another thought on people who are concerned that they're not a writer. So there is an option. You can have a blog on your own website where I would say you're absolutely committing to at least once a month. You do not want to have an abandoned blog on your website. That's actually worse than not having a blog at all. Yep. Listeners, pay attention to this. You do not want to have your last post be from 2016. That will, people think you're closed or you're not paying attention. So listeners, if you're going to do this, make sure you keep up with it. Exactly. Now there are platforms though, if somebody did not want to host their own blog, LinkedIn is a great place to publish articles. Medium also has continued to grow where you can set up a profile and publish articles on Medium as well. So those are platforms to post your writing where you don't have to host it on your own on your own website. Hmm. Interesting. And can you do both? Can you have it on Medium or Link and LinkedIn and on your blog? As far as whether you can post the same article on different platforms, Google does not like if you have the exact same thing on different platforms because of that duplication. However, you can do a reference back to the original source and Mm. that's sufficient. So if you publish something on your blog and then you publish it on LinkedIn, at the bottom of the LinkedIn article, you just want to say this article originally appeared on the Juniper Center blog and then put visually the link to the blog post on your website. Mm, Because then Google knows that that's where it appeared. So that is the way that you can put it on the different platforms. Yeah, don't just clone information, which is kind of the term that, that I've been hearing is just taking it and putting it on several different platforms. That's what I had heard, Deanna, that Google doesn't really appreciate that unless you have referenced the original place that it comes from. So I know I repurpose other people's work all the time. And of course, they're given credit for it. I don't say it as if I've written it. Although I'll tell you, I did get some nasty letters once about an article that I hadn't even written, but I had posted and they couldn't, folks don't really read who the actual author is. So just to be really clear, sometimes if you're repurposing something, that it says who the actual author is. But so repurposing information, other people's writing, when is that appropriate? So I want to turn that around for a minute because there's repurposing, there's also engagement. And so commenting on other people's articles is a brilliant way to draw attention and back to your own website. All right, folks, that's a good one because that takes no time. You're just scrolling through LinkedIn. You see somebody else's article, make a comment. It's a way of making yourself known. Absolutely. It's a really good way of making yourself known. The person who wrote it is excited because they got engagement on their article. And then if you leave a comment and particularly even longer comments tend to draw attention back to you and to your website. That's a great way to do it. I feel like if you've taken the time to read an article online, just take that extra minute to leave a comment Mm -hmm. and tag people. So when you do share something, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, take a moment to find the author and the publication's handles. Mm -hmm. 
because you can say, I want to give a shout out to, I'm going to use an example of Debbie Hampton, who does the best brain possible. We love Debbie Hampton. Well, we love Debbie Hampton, but Debbie Hampton is a Twitter friend. Debbie, Debbie Hampton is a Twitter friend, meaning that you love her content because a lot of what she talks about is brain science and mental health. And so you started by commenting on her articles, sharing her articles, commenting on them. So who doesn't love to know that someone loves their content? But then in turn, that turns into a real relationship. They recognize your handle. By the time we invited her to be on your Facebook live show, it was like you knew each other in real life, even though mm. you've never met. We'd never met, but I did feel like I kind of knew her because Absolutely. I had read her book. I'd read her story. We'd had a lot of back and forth engagement. So yes, it's again, you know, therapists are brilliant at creating relationships. So this is one way that we think of as being kind of stilted as a way to create a relationship, but it isn't. It is a modern day way to connect with people who live far away, who you would not have any other opportunity to connect with. So I love the idea of engaging people in that way. So can I take one of Debbie's articles and pop it on my blog? You would not want to take her entire article and put it on your blog for a couple of reasons. One, because it's her article. Two, because it's your website. So right. you actually don't want to do that for those reasons. What you could do, however, is say, I came across this article loved it because this, so you can in quotes, quote something from the article, talk about what inspired you or what engaged you about the article, and then say, click here to read the full article. Mm. So you can still get 100, 150 words to anchor the page on your website, but then you're actually linking to her site for people to read the article. That's excellent. Wonderful. Well, I really encourage people to consider having a blog. I think it's a great investment of uh, just a little bit of time. So I, I very much appreciate your thoughts. Deanna Shoss, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Dr. Margot Jaco, your mental health business mentor. Thank you for joining us. Be well. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.